Teaching to One, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Knock, knock. Who's there? Deja. Deja who? Knock, knock. I wish you could put expressions that we're giving each other. I wish we could put those in the podcast. I wish you could see somehow mm-hmm. the look I just gave Kate. Well, hello. Hi. Did you like that one? Yep. They're getting better. Marginally. I spend a lot of time researching knock-knock jokes. It seems that that's your new favorite hobby, is to trap me with a new knock-knock joke every week. Well, thank you for sharing that new one. Mm-hmm. I will add that to my archive of humorous things to try out on my friends. No. No? No. Delete the archive. Why? No. What you drinking? Cold as a Rockies. Coors. It's a Coors night. It was one of those days at school, wasn't it? It was. A, it was a whole day at school. My day was fine until the last 20 minutes, and then it was like a year. Uh-huh. So, That's anyways. the life of the teacher, the public school teacher. I will say that what I... What I experienced today is not something I've encountered very often. Mm. So it's always nice to be, you know, thrown off your game just enough that you can't be too comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You're dealing with some discipline issues, mm-hmm. to put it broadly. Yeah. But yeah. It's never really fun to have to handle that as it's, a part of your day job. It's not, but I've been doing this for so long that anymore I'm like, hmm, okay, well, that's new. You know, like I can kind of appreciate... uh kind of rolls off wild card you're like like, oh this is this is another twist on a day okay that's a new one Uh Uh, Mm -hmm. that was basically what happened today i was like oh well we'll follow that away in something very different because Mm -hmm. that was that Mm -hmm. but yeah it keeps you uh, you know on your toes you're never comfortable you're always you know (laughs) (laughs) it's nice it's nice not to get too comfortable in what you do i wonder if our podcast on the whole has convinced more people to become teachers or convinced more people to stop being teachers. I literally, every time I meet someone who's an education major, I'm like, why? <laughs> why? How far in this are you? How much money have you invested and how quickly can you get out? Do you know anything about sunk cost economics? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. About... Let me tell you about it. <laughs> no, I'm just, I shouldn't probably be that way. I should probably be more encouraging. But I think I'm just so burnt out that I'm like, hmm. That's uh, iffy. Huh? Uh-huh. I <laughs> like, I look at, like, we had we hired two new English teachers last year, and they're a great addition to our department, and I'm, I'm very, very fond of them. One of them is a former student of mine, and so it's been really fun to get to work with her. But it was hilarious, because the first time she came in, I was like, hi, I'm sorry, because she was a 10th grader, and it was my very first year of teaching. Mm-hmm. And so literally the first thing I said when I saw her was, I'm sorry. That's the year that doesn't count. The first year yeah, teaching. Yeah, nothing counts. I'd say, like, the first three are pretty forgivable. Um, the first three? Yeah. Wow. Mm, you're just winging it still. <laughs> I'm still winging it. Who am I to say? And so uh, she got, like, a month into it. She was like, we were really hard on you. <laughs> I was like, tell me about it. I was fighting for my life. <laughs> But I now, remember I was there. Yeah, but now it's great to just kind of watch her eyes glaze <laughs> over as things happen because I'm like, mm, mm, young blood. Been there. <laughs> yeah. So, done that. And she'll just be like, I know you've already done this, but what? <laughs> it's really, it's very rewarding to work with young teachers because their uh, eagerness is, it's a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's nice to get some, like I said, some young blood every once in a while, mm-hmm. but. It's kind of like also for the uh, experienced teachers, we're like, mm, how long will this last? <laughs> how long till they crack? <laughs> but no, they're great. How so. long till the vultures start circling? Mm, it's pretty quick. But uh, yeah, today I was like, oh, that's new. That'll be fun to put in my uh, Rolodex for future storytelling someday when I can talk about it. So. What about you? Do you have any insights, thoughts, feelings? Do I have any insights, thoughts, or feelings? Yeah, just things. Uh, generally speaking, or just circling the brain. It, no, we had a fun time this weekend. We hung out with some friends at the yep. Renaissance Festival because I'm a big dweeb. Okay, uh, that was exciting. Was uh, twas twas. We saw Jack Z Whipper. 
Jack Z Whipper. That's pretty cool. Z Whipper. He's TikTok famous and he was on America's Got Talent. It was entertaining uh, to see him. There was an entire entourage of women that, that, that were following him around. He afterwards. looks like a little baby Captain America. He does. He looks like so a. I don't blame him. A young, young little skinny Captain. Yeah. Captain. A little Cap. Chris Evans. Yeah. He does kind of look like He's that. funny, though. He was funny. I like that show. Yeah. It was just mostly surviving the first bit of school that's kind of where i am right now survival mode you made it have has your a clock adjusted to the it's, calendar it's getting there uh, i slept a lot this weekend that really helped <laughs> yeah well if you're listening to this as it's hot off the press a long day weekend and mm-hmm. labor day and so that's a nice little gift to start the year off with yeah. if you will yeah <laughs> it's a nice little plan it does so. help not to have to go back five days a week with kids immediately yeah we start with three days and then yeah this week is Anyways. i think districts that plan that way are doing something smart kind of just you know ramp it up it just helps everybody just hitting a brick yeah. wall of school yeah, yeah. So, anyways. Okay, well, with back to school season, uh, welcome back to many of you. If you're coming back to your classrooms this week or, uh, you know, last week. Did yours have mold? Coming up soon. Or was it just mine? Oh, boy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Kate's classroom had a bit of a moisture explosion over the summer, and it was It was moist. Gross. I don't like that pretty, word, but it pretty, was moist. It, but, um, it, it is an accurate description of also, your um, classroom. Yeah. Moist was an understatement, actually. It was squishy. Dank. Smelly. Yeah. That was my welcome back to school. Yeah, you came into your classroom to set it up and you discovered there was mold everywhere because the AC had broken, maybe? Uh, it's unclear. Okay. Uh, Mysterious cause. Aging parts. Aging bits. Yeah, All right. just like me. Oh, okay. I'm and, a conglomerate uh, of aging bits, as is my classroom. Which sounds like no big deal, but it was actually quite gross. And mold in classrooms is actually more common than you might expect for public schools it is. in this country. Yeah. I'm using this as a transition because that is one of the things that... Mm-hmm. The group of teachers that we're about to talk about this week, yeah, they are trying to address. So, Columbus City Schools. If you've been anywhere near a TV, you've probably seen this. It is national news. Yeah, we're doing something kind of new this episode. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something just fresh. Yes, uh, and much more fresh story. than Man and all of these other dudes we've talked about. Horace Man, Maria Montessori, may she rest in peace. All of them. This. Is fresh. Yeah, this is uh, as hot off the presses as we have been at 16 to 1. And I think and we will probably ever be. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we will We're, never be this current ever we, again. We talk about current events and we engage with current events, but we usually pick topics that aren't, you know, in the news contemporaneous to when we're recording, just so we have a little more opportunity to research things and aren't bound to, you know, sort of investigative reporting standards mm-hmm. of keeping you up to date. So can I say something really quick? Yeah, sure. Hi, welcome to the podcast 16 to one. We keep getting asked why we're called 16 to one. And it actually is kind of perfect for this episode because the reason we titled this thing 16 to one years ago was because that is the average student to teacher ratio in the United States. Yes. Um, and so that's where that comes public from. Public schools. And public yeah. schools. Yep. And so it's it's been funny because as we've been getting more listeners and more interaction and stuff, I realize that we don't often talk about those things because we're just like, oh, we're here and this is what we do. But that's the reason why this podcast is titled that. Yeah. And we don't talk about it maybe as often as we should. No, we probably should have a little reminder on there because I've thought very many times that our title, for a bunch of reasons, is probably really not the best title. Like, for discoverability, it's kind of a little weird to type it's in. It's not great. The colon ratio. isn't helping us. No, the colon is weird. I didn't, no. We, we didn't think that one through all the way, but it's kind of charming now, now that we're this far into it. Well, but now yes. that I've ordered a million t-shirts, uh, we can't possibly change A million it. t-shirts. Yeah, I'm throwing them out of the canon. Um, okay. But I just thought that this I was... Didn't, I didn't see that in the uh, the budget for the uh, Oh, that's not the pod to see. The pod budget. I do, I do the budget. You do the budget? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do all the bills. Why the... do I pay for the hosting if you do the budget? That does not seem uh, quite That's your fair. part of the budget. My part of the budget is t-shirt cannon. Then... One million <laughs> t-shirts shooting out of a cannon. I think it's a tax write-off, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Definitely so, not. <laughs> just kidding, but, IRS. I know you just got a bunch more workers. They're listening. Listen, IRS, that was a joke. Cool. We, don't, cool. we, don't, we definitely bought a t shirt. Never mind. 
But I just wanted to say it as we talk about this because Columbus City Schools, what they are talking about and what their strike was about are all of the things that we've actually just kind of accidentally talked about, which is that their classrooms were not in a state of cleanliness or healthiness that they should have been, and that their numbers were off the charts. And so if you're new here, that's why we are called 16 to 1. Yeah. And our hope is to, our hope is to kind of help support the Columbus City School teachers and these issues. Because as we'll get into it, I, I think they're just in a very early stage of a large uphill battle, even still. Yeah. So thank you for that. It's definitely worth revisiting how we got our name because it is a little weird. So thanks for sitting with us in the, if you've been sitting in the confusion on that one. So that was, at least at the time when we started the podcast, that was the most recent data, Department of Education data that we had. Like you said, one of the things that these teachers are striking about is class size, mm-hmm. uh, average class size and class sizes for certain kinds of educators within a district. We'll talk more about all the reasons why they're striking, but just to kind of set it up a little bit, like Kate said, we're not we're not typically involved with up to the minute news, evolving news stories, but because we have this opportunity to talk about something that's happening so close to home, we mm-hmm. wanted to do it. I mean, this is about half an hour from where we live. Yeah. So, I mean, I have friends that work for Columbus City yeah. Schools, so yeah. this is not um, something that is that is lost on us at all and yep. the importance of it. And especially because in, in the previous years, you've seen some really big strikes from Chicago and some of those. So, yeah. This is um, just one more of those, unfortunately, and it turns out this is a systemic issue. And so. I think we'll also see that this is this is not a problem that is limited to Columbus City. There are a bunch of districts around the country and around the world, also a bunch of educational systems where teachers are considering strikes. I think it's pretty clear, at least to educators, that a strike is a last resort. You don't you don't want to not be there for your kids, but you also realize that at a certain point, conditions can become so bad in public schools that you can't serve your students because of limitations that are being placed on you, whether they're budgetary or, you know, you don't have the human resources that you need, you don't have the leaders there to help you, whatever it may be, or, you know, wages have stagnated for decades. Any of those things, really, because maybe we should stop defunding education. But oh, we should anyway. just end the podcast there. That's the episode. Bye. Did, did the million t-shirts you made have that catchphrase on the back? I really hope that they did, because that's our... I have bad news it's for actually you. actually our catchphrase. I have bad news for you. They had a knock-knock joke on the back. Oh, well, throw them away. Throw them away. <laughs> they had a million different knock-knock jokes on oh. the back of Oh, <laughs> wow. Grab bag. That's impressive, honestly. It took a long time to come up with that list. Yeah. All right. You know that knock-knock joke that's like banana, and then it's like, aren't you glad I didn't say banana? There's like 300 bananas. Anyways. We're going to be talking about the budget after we record this show. But for now, back to this. (laughs) So just to set up a little bit about Columbus City Schools and the Columbus Education Association, that is the uh, union that is involved in this strike action. So... To understand the strike. Yeah. Why don't you just Let's give us- do what Chelsea does and go way back. Yeah. Let's go way back. Okay. So we're going back to 1845. Uh-huh. Pre-Civil War. Yeah. Uh, Ohio is the... Th- what are... Were we the... It doesn't matter. Anyways. No, no. You got to say it now. Were we the 17th state or the 13th state? I think 17th. 17th. 1803. Okay. About to you. So... Columbus City Schools, which we'll probably call CCS from mm-hmm. this point on, was established in 1845. Wow. Okay. okay. But I really didn't know that as, as an entity had been around as long as mm-hmm. it had. It was kind of impressive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Ohio's been here for a minute. We're, yeah, not, we're, we're not a young state. We're old like school. Some. Um, so the CCS serves 47,000 students, and they have 112 schools. And they have a diverse student population. And, of course, you're going to expect that with uh, it being a metropolitan area. So as part of CCS, they have about 29,000 households. And 95 different languages are spoken by those families. And of those 95 languages, they come from 104 countries. The top non-English languages spoken by the families in CCS are Spanish, Somali, Nepali, Arabic, and French. And I will say that uh, just since I've been a teenager, so what, 15, 16 years ago, there was a huge influx of Somalis that that came in. Yeah. And it's... it has become a huge population of them. And mm-hmm. that was one of the, not only did Columbus City grow exponentially because of that, but outside 
other actually districts not too far from us mm-hmm. grew because of the large communities that were coming in and being formed there around that lot group. Of, a lot of Somalis are actually just like in general. Uh, yeah, Columbus is really interesting. There are a lot of uh, there's a large Muslim population in Columbus, which. I, there's a huge backstory as to why that is, but there's a sort of shifting population coming from different places around the world, either refugees or mm-hmm. families of refugees. A lot of people have settled in Columbus, yeah. so which is very interesting because Ohio, generally speaking, is maybe Doesn't not... Doesn't scream a... Yeah. We're not possibly not what I would consider champions of multiculturalism and diversity throughout much of at least rural Ohio. That was a nice way to say that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's very yeah. homogenous, no, right. at least where we live, which is all around the, yeah. you know, the second you get outside of city limits, it's just like giant Farmlands. full of farm and rural and lots of white people. Yeah. So, um, well, even when I was in college, there was a huge push for people to start learning Somalian. Yeah. Because they were hiring at such an insane, even just companies. Right. Not and just schools, the obviously. City, right. The city got caught off guard by this sort of because it's a huge it was kind influx. of a federal, federally and, driven program. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I might be making an assumption, but it doesn't occur to me that a lot of people would probably have experienced learning Somali without a reason to have learned it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as a universal of a language as like French or Spanish or something well, like that. It's not going to be on your usual docket of public Right. So that's what I mean. So like when you have such offering. a large group who end up moving in and then a pretty quick time frame, it was hard for the schools to keep up with the support yeah. for them. Yeah. So. so we're setting up, we're setting this up because it's only worth mentioning because one of the things that has become problematic in Columbus City Schools is servicing a hugely diverse population of learners. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see more about why. On top of the multicultural aspect, there is also a large population of students that have been identified with special needs, and it's about 18% of the student population. And CCS serves more than 6,000 students who are classified as vulnerable. So that could be those who are experiencing homelessness, uh, they could be in foster care or in a temporary or an emergency living situation. Mm-hmm. So roughly 13% of the total student population is identified vulnerable as being vulnerable, uh-huh. which is going to be important. But, um, yeah. Just a yeah. little bit. Yeah. It's going to be important because there's a, a big bunch of staff programming that is oriented around serving these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, more than one in 10 kids are vulnerable when you consider that that percentage of your population is at risk you you, you want to have a lot of programming that supports caters them. to that kind mm-hmm. of you know you, you know they're just they need advocates in the system because the system is just forgetting them and not serving them and so anyway it is very complicated is it columbus there are parts of columbus that are very underserved for a variety of reasons yeah So there are a lot of different challenges in the district, for sure. So last couple of things, just to kind of understand the makeup of CCS. Uh, The district employs more than 9,000 teachers and staff, and it's led by their superintendent, Dr. Dixon, and a seven-member board of education. Yep. And so then we have the CEA, the Columbus Education Association. Mm -hmm. And this is a union that was in the news, and their union represents close to 4,500 educators and the CCS. So we're talking about nearly 50% of those employed are represented by this union. It's a powerful bargaining unit. So the strike. Now, we're going to kind of just go through a little brief history of how we ended up where we are, where we were last week. Uh, this is certainly not a comprehensive history. There are general things happening in districts all across the country that are also probably happening at CCS. So I think we're going to continue to see fallout from COVID and how COVID impacts teaching staffs across the country. I think we're going to continue to see a lot of burnout and frustration and just, you know, COVID was hard on all of us. So I guess that's we're all maybe a little less energetic and able to withstand frustration. I'm not as tough as I once yeah, was. We're maybe not quite as resilient <laughs> in the face of challenge as we were pre-COVID yeah. because we're all exhausted and burnt out and sad anyway. So COVID, staff shortages, health risks. I also think that this particular strike is 
almost like a meta discussion about labor mm-hmm. uh, because from our research, from what we could tell, and a lot of this is coming from the union's history of posts over the last couple months on their website, and a lot of them are centering on a couple of different issues. But the main issue that to me seems to have precipitated the strike was that Columbus City Schools, the school board, tried to shrink the size of the bargaining power, basically. They, they tried to shrink the bargaining power of the union by shrinking its size. So they wanted to remove a subset of educators from the bargaining unit. And those educators just so happened to be the ones who serve the vulnerable youth population that we mentioned earlier. So we'll go into more detail there, but that seems to be how all of this started. But in addition to that, there are all of the common things like wages and Mm -hmm. fighting for heating and AC in buildings because they're significant. Yeah, a significant chunk of the buildings in Columbus City Schools are not heated or air conditioned, which is just oof. (laughs) Well, and another thing worth mentioning is that the school knew that this was a likely outcome. Yeah. Even in the spring. Because they planned in the spring for remote learning when they returned to school in the fall. So this has been a long process that the CEA and the, you know what I mean, that they've been bargaining through. Because they they anticipated, even as school was ending, to make sure that the students had one-to-one devices and things like that. Because they did not expect a quick resolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know, I guess like that's good. But also, it just, this whole thing, I'm just frustrated. That's my story, so... It's hard to watch it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's like your friends and it's people you know. And it's, I mean, Chelsea and I do not live far from Columbus. We we know a lot about these communities and it's just, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to watch because it could be any school district going through this. Yep. Let's start back with that. Uh, what I was talking about just a second ago, June 13th, this past June, 2022. So there's a post from the, the CEA, the, the union on their blog. They basically tear down the district's decision to strip homeless youth advocates of union status. So they react to this internal memo from the school district that says that the school districts are basically going to try to remove from the union bargaining unit members of the Project Connect program. They are, so they're going to be stripped of their union status and contract protections, and they've been in this union for decades. So that's a little iffy. Just to talk about what Project Connect is specifically, it was authorized under federal law through the McKinney-Vento Homeless Education Assistance Act. So this is Columbus City's Project Connect program, provides services to ensure that identified children and youth experiencing homelessness have access to a free and appropriate public education by removing barriers due to homelessness. As advocates for educational rights, there are various services the program provides to assist families in transition. So there was a statement released from the president of the union at that time. He said, our students who are experiencing homelessness are not second class citizens and deserve the same access to CEA professionals as all of our other students. We have filed a grievance regarding this unconscionable illegal decision and will pursue unfair labor practice charges with the State Employment Relations Board as well. So things are sour. And this is all unfolding in the context of everybody knowing that the collective bargaining agreement is expiring at the end of the summer. And that was just last week. So this is basically how they kick off their summer of contract negotiations. And they do it by Columbus City Schools saying, hey, we're going to kick out a bunch of teachers and get rid of their union protections. Good luck. So things start out on a bit of a sour note there. The CEA on July 8th, they basically follow through on what they said they were going to do. They file an unfair labor practice charge with the State Employment Relations Board, and they allege that the district is illegally reassigning educators whose primary job assignment is to advocate for homeless youth from their union positions to non-union positions. And this has effectively stripped these educators of their contractual rights and protections. Mm -hmm. They think that this decision violates the Ohio Revised Code and that it also is basically a refusal to prioritize safe and properly maintained and fully resourced schools for students. So, uh, they're, oh, they're, again, you know, the more, things you need to run. I got it. Yeah. Ongoing issues here. So July 26th, not that long ago, there's a CEA rally after the board refuses to schedule bargaining sessions. Mm-hmm. So they'd have been having bargaining sessions uh, They're trying to smoke them out. <laughs> yeah. They'd been having bargaining sessions uh, through June and I think through late July, but the board basically was like, no, we're not entertaining 
your requests for contract offers here. So they did not schedule any further negotiations for August, I, I believe. Jeez. Um, and again, this contract. the month that school starts. Yeah, the month that school that's, starts, and they still don't have a contract. So, well, and that's worth noting because Ohio, we do go to school in August. It's not as common for all states to actually be in school in August. A lot of schools wait till close to Labor Day and return in September. So, it, them not meeting in August is a very intentional thing because that is when we return to school in Ohio for the most part. Yeah, they're calling their bluff, right? So at that time, that July twenty sixth statement, the CEA called a meeting of the general membership on August 4th, and they were basically going to say, hey, get your crap together or we're going to vote mm-hmm. to authorize a strike. <laughs> and then the school district didn't schedule anything more, so on August 5th, the union voted to authorize a 10-day strike <laughs> notice. Under Ohio law, a public employee union like the CEA is required to provide 10 days advance notice of intention to engage in picketing, striking, or other concerted refusal to work. So... <laughs> Hmm. A strike can start at any time, uh, 10 days after filing. They're striking for, like we said earlier, smaller class sizes. They want full-time art, music, and phys ed teachers at the elementary school level. Which they should have. They want better pay. I heard reports that they were requesting an 8% raise, an 8% annual raise, which I don't think, I mean, we'll All get there. once? Well, 8% per year, 8%. Gotcha. And I don't think that they actually ended up with that, uh, but they, that's, I, it's not I even they got certain. half of it. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to ask for a little more than what you're actually well, going to come out Also, with, sometimes but. they'll negotiate an 8%, but it's like a 431 or uh-huh, it's like a 422 uh-huh. or you know what I mean? Like sometimes they'll negotiate in a way that's like, well, yeah, in three years you'll have your 8%, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, functional heating and air conditioning inside all classrooms, which I mean, I just, I, I, I could accept less pay if I was cool. I would say that. It's so humid. Humid. It's so humid. Yeah. Wait, saunas are the dry heat. It's been the steam room. It's not a sauna. It's been That's like Vegas. 98 degrees and feeling like a steam room around here this week, basically. Yeah. So. Uh, global warming. Hello. Yeah. I just got a CNN alert about some big thing in Greenland. Did you read about that? When that thing melts, this iceberg, they expect that the water levels to rise by a foot. I think it was Greenland. Is it Greenland? Probably. That checks out. That's the icy one. That was the one I got a notification. I was like, no, no, no. You just, your day was just interrupted No, it was by like the other night when we were disaster. listening to that podcast and they were like, oh, in the next hundred years, oh, <laughs> there's yeah. going to be a solar flare. Yeah, we were listening to a <laughs> podcast that Sorry. suggested that this is off topic. Now, but now I'm full of fear. A, a slight diversion. There's gonna apparently scientists are saying that within the next 100 years, there's going to be a major solar event such that it could possibly wipe out technology as we know it. Well, and I've talked before, probably at length on this podcast, about my fear of Yellowstone, right? Uh-huh. And I just got over that. The Yellowstone caldera is also supposed to... Set to go. Any minute, we could just fly. Explode, sending volcanic ash into the atmosphere. And based on a map I read once, Ohio is going to be pretty gross. Well, it's going to block out the sun. The volcanic ash will block out the sun across large portions of the country and possibly okay. around the world. Okay. The, around the world. That. Now I'm back to that fear. Okay. But all of that is just to say that these people deserved air conditioning and heated buildings because it is unbearably warm right now. And it's also just it not would good be unhealthy. for students. Yeah. It's not good for students. Aside from just like the health concerns, it's simply not a good environment for learning if you're distracted by how cold or how hot it is in your class or how Mm. humid or how smelly or whatever. The more that you can do to guarantee that your students are in a safe and healthy environment, the better they are going to learn. So they want, yeah, they want heating and air conditioning inside all classrooms, a cap on the number of class periods during the school day, and then better communication and rollouts of district decisions. A lot of this is, again, in reaction to the board attempting to remove the Project Connect people from the collective bargaining unit. And those folks, when they were unceremoniously removed, the paycheck switching apparently involved in all of that meant that some of them just weren't paid for the weeks or were paid at the wrong rate or were 
locked out of the old system when they're uh-huh. supposed to be using the new system. Mm-hmm. So they're just their hours just disappeared, but they mm. can't retroactively add new hours that they no. actually worked because the old system was the only way that you could add those hours. Mm-hmm. The new system only accepts it after a certain date. Mm-hmm. So basically, a whole bunch of educators were their their wages were stolen. It was right. wage theft. Yeah. I don't know how to say it other than yeah. that, according to reports well, anyway. And in in most cases in Ohio, teachers a lot of school districts here pay you throughout the summer even though you've already completed the the work there are other school districts that will pay you a lump sum and then that's what you live off of for the summer but a lot of schools operate under the the whole they'll pay you every two weeks even though you've already like completed your work just to help mm-hmm. budget mm-hmm. so that would be a huge loss if you're expecting you know, yeah whatever and then the one that really frustrated me was people unable to log hours that they had worked right. Anyway, those are reports from Boots on the Ground sure, sure. people in Columbus. Some of this stuff may be more and less confusing, but anyway, they're they're striking for just more professionalism is that last point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, please just pay me in a if timely fashion. If you're going to bring out a new system, ensure that we are taken care of in the transition of the system. Yeah, it's more just like... Be respectful to your employees. I, I think it's just like a be, be basically decent to your teachers. Yeah. There's a lot of what oh, this is weird. driving at. Why? So let's get into the current status of this strike. The union and district master agreement expired at midnight on August 21st. So basically the two sides had until then to mm-hmm. reach an agreement and they didn't. So August 21st, this is the Sunday before school starts on the following Wednesday, okay, uh, this is when th- that Wednesday is when you started as well. But yep. the union members meet at the Columbus Convention Center. They are there to vote on a general strike, and they announce that more than ninety-four percent of the members have voted to reject. That's insane. The school board's final offer, which was basically the same as their first offer, and go on strike for the first time since nineteen seventy-five. Which, I gotta go research about that strike and see what that was about, because I'm sure that was interesting, too, but that's... It's probably, like, to let women work or something. (laughs) For real? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm kind of not. Yeah, for real. (laughs) As a response to the vote to strike, the CCS board voted to take classes virtual with temporary and substitute teachers. 600 substitute teachers. Compared to 4,000 and whatever who... Okay. Anyways. Yeah, they voted to go with a fraction of the teaching staff they needed to actually support school attendance. <laughs> so parents had a choice about whether or not to cross a virtual picket line. So you can, you know, cross the picket line and Don't send your kid in. to virtual school. So Wednesday morning, parents who had decided to send their kids to virtual school... They were required to log in their kids virtually on a system Mm -hmm. that basically crashed. The district claimed that more than 2,000 students were helped with device and hotspot needs. And this is, again, on the first day of school when they're supposed to be in classes, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're, like, going to places around the city, getting setting up Wi-Fi hotspots and trying to distribute 10,000 grab-and-go meals. I wonder what what the libraries look like that day. That's the real question. Yeah. Like public libraries, yep. I mean. Also, the school district put out a statement and was like, if your kids are not logging in, they will be marked absent. And so they were also pressuring parents to help support, you know, like crossing, I guess, the digital picket line. Yeah. There was also a problem in that parents who did not want to cross the picket line, their kids were marked present even though they didn't mark yeah. them present. It could have just been a technical issue because obviously the rollout of this whole first day of virtual school was so chaotic that it could have kind of been anything at that point. Well, but there were load. Te- yeah, <laughs> but there were parents who were upset because their kids had been marked present and they wanted to show their support for Columbus teachers mm-hmm. and By did not-, not want to send them to school. Yeah. So that also happened. And for people not familiar with this, attendance is one of the biggest things that schools in Ohio get rated on. That goes into our school report card that we get yearly. There is a great reason to hope that many log on yeah, you're, daily. you're incentivized to have better attendance. Let's you just are say. greatly incentivized and there's a lot of money. Financially, there's yeah. a There's a golden carrot at the end of your nose. So I'm not accusing anyone of, you know, I'm just saying it, it you know. Yeah, like okay. I said, it could have been Read any between reason. between all of the lines. Could have been technical <laughs> reasons. Could have been technical and maybe reasons, it was but also maybe things not. that had just started with everyone present. And then it, you know. E- yeah, it could have just been a badly designed system. But regardless, anyways, sorry. parents were unhappy because Again, students were being marked present. I'm not making 
a claim that could be held in court. I just want that to be very clear. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do not call me. So following this rather disastrous first day of school attempt virtually, the wee hours of Thursday morning. So from like the late evening into the early morning. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like 2 or 3 a.m. or something. They announced that they had on the 25th, they'd come to some tentative conceptual agreement, mm-hmm. which means it's not, you know, finalized in writing or whatever, but we think we've come to some sort of agreement here. And... uh they still weren't going to resume in-person classes until Monday, though. So basically all last week, Columbus City Schools students were out of out of school and their parents had to decide how to help them learn virtually. And yeah. so that's three days that parents did not expect to have to provide monitor their kids or... and provide child care for their kids and all this stuff. Sunday night, following this conceptual agreement that has reached the membership of the CEA convenes to vote on accepting the new contract that is now all set in stone and they agree to ratify they vote to accept the contract 71 percent of the teachers huh. vote to accept it for me that's not an overwhelming show of support i mean it, it's obviously a, a majority it's a, it's enough mm-hmm. To make it work, but thirty percent of your teachers, twenty nine percent of your teachers, not accepting a contract agreement is is not where you necessarily want to be if you're it's not in a position of union leadership either. So there's still, I think, what we see here is that there's still a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. The details that we have, and they're not very many of them just yet, but the details that we do have about the new contract. It gives CEA members a four percent annual raise for the duration of the three year deal. This is the 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 deals for three years and like we said they were kind of hoping for eight percent the district agreed that all buildings in the district would be fully equipped with climate control by 2025 school year so there was no way that was going to happen i mean Uh, what what this sounds like to me is that in another couple of years when it comes time for the collective bargaining agreement in 2025 mm -hmm. and schools still don't have heating and air conditioning it's going to be the next thing on the list this is going to be the next strike We're such setting up the next strike. So mm-hmm. because because there's been a long history of Columbus City Schools not doing mm-hmm. not taking care of buildings, physical plants. So <laughs> anyway, that's probably why the the vote went the way that it went and that it wasn't more of an overwhelming majority. I think that that has a lot to do with it because there have been a lot of promises made time and time again, as is the case many times in these kinds of bargaining arrangements. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Columbus City is not the only district on strike right now. I know we're talking about Columbus, but they're joined by educators across the country, around the world. This is not unique to right here. Do you want to take us through a couple of yeah, sure. w- what's going on around the world? Just, yeah. to say, just to say that these seizures are not alone in their frustrations. Mm-hmm. So. so other strikes and things to keep an eye on. The members of the Teachers Union of Greencastle Antrim School District in Pennsylvania have authorized the leadership to call a strike if necessary. of the teachers who voted Thursday, August 18th, gave the go-ahead for that Education Association bargaining team to call a strike anytime within that legally required 48 hours notice. And their contract expires August 31st. Yep. So we're recording a few days before this Mm -hmm. releases, by the way, so... In Philadelphia, the union that represents 2,000 school bus drivers and maintenance workers authorized a strike Saturday if they don't have a new contract by the end of the month. That was this past Saturday. In Peoria, Illinois, there's an ongoing issue with their contract negotiations as well, and they could be approaching a strike. Yes. Other than just in these public school districts like we just listed, in higher education, uh, the unionized staff at American University just went on strike last week after contract negotiations uh, were not met, and strikers say that the stagnant wages have made retention difficult and living in the city is not reasonable right now. Washington, D.C. is very expensive, by the way. And this isn't something that's just happening to the United States either. So around the world, we see that the Canadian Union of Public Employees and they represent 55,000 workers, and they're open voting for members from September 23rd to October 2nd on whether to establish a strike mandate. And in Norway, there are 3,000 teachers striking over wage increases offered in this year's collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. So it's happening everywhere. Yeah, Columbus is not the only one, I guess. And like I said earlier, if you've been paying attention in the last few years, Arizona had a big one. Chicago has had a big one. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot Carolinas. of the Carolina. North Carolina is always in a state of near strike because their education system and their retirement is not great. So 
it's one of those moments right now for Chelsea and I that it's very close to home, but it's always close to home for some, you know? Yeah. So it's just, and it's hard. Like I said, we, we know these communities and we know people who work there and are affected by this. And we were reading that Columbus City Schools passed out 10,000 meals for students during that time. So we're back to the conversation, which is that schools are providing much more than just school for students. Yeah, and yeah. so it's it's frustrating because uh, in order to take care of the kids, you have to take care of the employees. I think we talked in one of our episodes, early episodes, about COVID-related measures that school districts have taken. We talked about the place of schools as meal distributors and how centrally those, those schools play a role in the lives of kids who maybe can't otherwise eat. So it's always important to keep in mind, like just like you're saying, that when school is out of session, when it should be in session, those kids aren't only missing out on educational opportunities, they're missing out on healthy ways of living and being that yeah. are provided to them through public schools. And that families expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And help. families count on those resources uh, a lot of times because they can't, you know, this is not in the cards to provide them themselves mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So when school districts strike, it is a kind of a crisis mode for mm -hmm. families uh, in those districts, for teachers in those districts who aren't being paid. Yeah. This is a last resort option, but yeah. we feel it's very important to call attention to the fact that if you've gotten to this point as an employee of a public school, then it's just... You already feel so underappreciated for what you're doing that, you know. Yeah, but you just know that you have to do something in order to do right by your kids. Yeah. No, I'm agreeing. You have I to just do mean... something to move the ball from where it is to feel like you are equipped to just do your job. And yeah. it's sad that people have to spend as much effort and time as they do simply trying to help kids mm -hmm. learn. <laughs> so maybe you know we what? should stop defunding education. Oh, you're right. And funding more yep. t-shirt cannons. Do you have any final thoughts you want to wrap up? When those levies and things like that happen, we got to we gotta support. So. Yeah. And it's hard because education costs in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's very difficult. But it's expensive it's, to, to create good and upstanding citizens. It, it does not matter how many administrators you have. If you have no teachers, it doesn't matter. Oh. There's nothing. I mean, like, that sounds so stupid to say, but, you know, there were, I was reading articles about this, just keeping up with it. And, and I'm sure parents are frustrated and, and families and, you know, so providers are frustrated, but they're, they're basically saying that the teachers are greedy and things like that. And it's just, that's just not the case. So. Yeah. But when you're in the position to need the support, I'm sure it feels much different. So. Yep. I think the other thing that just my final thought that I would say is that if any of this concerns you, it, I think we're going to see more of this kind of I agree. organization and labor activity happening over the next months and years in public sure. education. Especially as we continue seeing a teacher shortage. Yeah. Because all the things like when you're talking about classroom numbers, that is going to inflate so much because we cannot find subs. We cannot find teachers. So unions have to be strict about these things or otherwise their teachers are going to be so overwhelmed that yeah. those that do stay won't. We just talked about this a couple episodes ago, but the teacher shortage is very much fueling a lot of these conversations because there's just too much to manage. If you're concerned about all of this, this is a great opportunity to consider running for your local school board. If you have, uh, if you want to have a voice, if you want to advocate for teachers, if you want to advocate for students, if you want to make sure that your students, this, your, your youngest and most vulnerable populations and wherever you live are being served well mm -hmm. by your schools, then that's a great opportunity to run for school board. Yeah. So consider it. <laughs> You know, or go to the meetings or contact yep. your teachers unions to see, you know, there are a lot of ways to play the game. Make your voice, make your voices heard, but speak up to district leadership because often they are immobile unless they feel pressure, mm -hmm. I think is my experience. And we will continue updating on here. Yeah. Uh, as more and more comes out about it. Yep. Just if kind we of hear on the state we, of it as we go. Yeah. If we, we reached out to the CEA and if we hear, hear back from them, we'll let you know what they said mm -hmm. um, with regard to all of this. And maybe even next summer we'll come back and yeah. view the blog and see what's going on there. Yep. Yep. So, so we'll keep in touch with Columbus, uh, Columbus city schools. Thank you for bearing with us while we dealt with something very close to home in this episode. It's, it's a little bit of a departure for us, but we just yeah. feel like this is a pretty, since it was national news, we couldn't very easily yeah, ignore it. I was it, hearing so. about it from people all over. So. Yeah. 
Okay. Would you like to move on to fill in the blank? This is a portion of the show where we ask you some trivia questions. Uh, We'll give you last episode's question first and tell you what that answer was, and then we'll ask you a new one. I'm going to let you do do, uh, the last episode's question. The last episode's question. Because I don't want to read the answer. It's a pretty weird one. Okay, so last episode, we talked about humor. (laughs) (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. So this is kind of related to that. Theater historians credit this work as being the first comedy written in English. The play marks the emergence of English comedy from medieval morality plays, interludes, and farces. What is the name of the play? That play was called Ralph Royster Doyster. Mm-hmm. It sounds like nonsense words to me, but I don't. I, I didn't really dive too deep deeply into that. But Ralph mm-hmm. Royster Doyster is yeah. the first English language comedy. So, what is this episode's question? Okay, this episode's question. Yes. NASA is actively preparing for the launch of Artemis 1 after postponing the initial launch date due to weather and engine issues. The goal of Artemis 1 is to use the moon as a way to learn how to survive on Mars for an extended period of time. So before Artemis 1, the last crew to land on the moon was Apollo 17 in 1972. That final Apollo mission set the record for the longest crewed deep space flight. How long was their flight? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading about that Artemis stuff today. They canceled the launches of fuel leaks and yeah. line, lines or something. Not and weather was a... Inadequate. It was either heating or cooling It was cooling. Something. Actually, cooling? Right. It okay. was cooling. Okay. Yeah, I read about Couldn't that. Couldn't remember which way it went, but... But they also had not ideal weather. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I think it's just kind of a cover-up. Interesting. I think okay, they ordered so... some clouds so they could just get out easy. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got the answer, write into us. Uh, email us at hello at 1621.com, all spelled out. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you get the answer right, we will send you a sticker. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't get the answer right, we'll probably still send you a sticker A sticker if you want one. We will. So reach out. Say hello. What did you learn? I'm just going to do my quick update. Oh. Uh, we watched the first episode of the new Game of Thrones. Jury's still out on that. I thought it was terrible. I don't get why people liked it. We started the podcast for For All Mankind, the official TV series podcast, and it's so good. And I think that's all my updates. Okay. Um, so here's what I learned. Yeah. I got a new I got a new piece of technology in my classroom. Okay. It's called a BenQ board. BenQ. B E N Q. BenQ. Okay. That's weird. Hooks up okay. to my laptop, or it can run itself without being hooked to a laptop mm-hmm. as a screen that has like website. You know what I mean? Like I can surf and get my stuff up there. It's so nice. It does so much, and it's, like, reliable, and I'm just very thankful. Hmm. Because I've been needing a new board. I had a smart board for all the people who have been in education long enough. It didn't work. Like, I couldn't do the smart board part of the smart board. It was just a glorified projector. Uh Uh-huh. So I was very thankful for this. And it has sound, and it's loud enough for my classroom to hear, and it's really clear, and you can see it when the lights are on. Wow. Fancy. Isn't that cool? Very cool. But our whole district got them, and we, we got some professional development on them, and they're, I've really enjoyed it. It's been nice to have a board that I can interact with and do stuff with. That's neat. And I'm I'm appreciative of it. So you learned to use a BenQ board. I did learn how to use my BenQ board, yeah. Very I'm still cool. learning. Today I, you know, went backwards on something, but other than that. Keeping me humble. Yeah. Okay. We love humble. Okay. Very Always cool. Always on my toes. Okay. Well, what you learned is unfortunate. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to let you go. I learned about Chili Burn, which is, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, a temporary but very painful cutaneous mm. condition that commonly afflicts those who handle, prepare, or cook with fresh or roasted chili peppers. Okay. Okay, so here's the thing, y'all. So what happened? I love spicy food. I love peppers. Okay. I love spicy stuff. I grow spicy peppers in my garden. Uh-huh. I eat the hottest hot that they've got wherever I go. Yep. Whenever. So it's basically your challenge. How hot? Okay. Big bet. Well, I have built up a tolerance to hot. So what most people think of as spicy does not really register for me most of the time. However, I was in I was in the grocery store and I was shopping and I saw, oh, they have hatch green chilies and I love those and those are great. And you can't get them all the time because they're seasonal and all sure. this stuff. So I buy this huge bag of hatch green chilies, but I'm not going to use a huge bag of hatch green chilies anytime soon. So I'm going okay. to cut them up and freeze yeah. them mm-hmm. to use for, you know, pasoli or whatever later. Yeah, later. Of course. 
save for later. So I start chopping up these chilies and I'm like, this is fine. Spicy stuff doesn't really bother me all that much. I tasted it. I'm like, this is good. It's spicy, but it's not like, you know, it's not like ghost peppers or reapers or anything like that. It's not that kind of spicy, right? So I'm like, this is fine. It's it's kind of like, it's hotter than a poblano, but not that hot. Okay. Mm-hmm. For me. Anyway, so I'm and then... chopping, chopping. It takes me a couple hours to get through all of this chopping because I'm doing a bunch of vegetables all at once. But anyway, yeah, at the end of the evening, I notice my fingers are starting to tingle and burn. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Why is this happening? And the next morning I wake up and my hands are just full on burning. Just all of my, my fingers everywhere. Anytime I touch any other part of my body, it starts to burn there too. I accidentally touched my eyes and I could not stop crying for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. But And I've washed my hands many, many dozens of times at this point because I think that that's the problem. Would have, like, you know how they tell you to wipe your hands on stainless steel when you cut an onion? Yeah. Does that work? I don't know if it works with chili. I don't think that it does, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. But basically, there's this reaction that happens. So... The phytochemical known as capsaicin, that's the thing that's in all the spice that makes our tongues go brrrr. This capsaicin, which can be present in high concentrations in certain varieties of chili, so it's usually in super hot peppers like ghost peppers and reapers, like I said earlier, but they this capsaicin contacts cutaneous free nerve endings, which are present in high density in fingertips, among other places, okay? Mm-hmm. This triggers the release of substance P- I don't know what substance P is. Don't ask me. I didn't look into it. But substance P, something your body releases, which causes a sensation of intense burning pain. (sighs) So you can dunk your fingers in lidocaine or milk or vinegar. Maybe those things will help. Sometimes people use local nerve blocks. Oh, my gosh. uh, Topical corticosteroids. Yeah, well, people can have different tolerances for reactions to this. Mine was not that bad for for me. But some people could... have quite a reaction. A so, nerve block is real business. Yeah, that's Those real are business. dangerous. Well, so when I got in the shower when this happened, it, it felt like my hands were on fire. Hot water contact with uh, this condition made me feel like my hands were just, yeah. Anyway, it was very unpleasant. So what did you learn? Well, next time I'm definitely going to wear gloves when cutting peppers. And I've seen people do that before. And I always just thought that those people did it just because they had like a lower tolerance to heat and didn't, you know, and you don't want to get it in your eyes too. But I thought that I just like wash my hands. You just thought you were tougher than them? No, it's mostly just I thought I could wash because I it washed off. immediately afterwards. Uh-huh. But for matter. whatever reason, capsaicin doesn't care about washing. <laughs> and it was soaked in. Yeah, it persists. So that's what I learned. I learned to wear gloves while chopping up hot peppers. <laughs> yeah. That was also a few days after you exploded the whole bag of macaroni, uh, flaming hot Cheeto Flaming hot Cheeto dust. They make all over here. They make mac and cheese that is flavored with flaming hot Cheeto dust. And jalapeno Cheeto dust. Yes. The jalapeno ones, I think, are my favorite. But they're very, they're spicy little macaroni things. And I exploded the entire package all but over I my sweatshirt. But I heard Chelsea trying to make them the other night. And I just heard her start, like, coughing. And then she yeah, I maced myself, and she was covered in flaming hot Cheeto dust. I maced myself twice last week. One was with the Cheeto dust, and the other time was with the the hatch chilies. So anyway, that's what I learned. Be a little more careful with the spicy stuff. <laughs> I think that about wraps it. Do you have any no, parting shots? I could never. You could never top. Mm, never top I'm my let misfortune. You take this one out for us. My misfortune is going to play us out, guys. Okay, so thank you for being around. Please, if you don't mind, stick with us. Say hello. Reach out on social media. Follow us. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on all the places. Uh, the you Twitter. Can, you can follow us on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Good all the pods. places. If we're not in one of the places that you want to be, let us know and we'll add our feed so that you can download our episodes where you want them to be. So thank you for sticking with us. This is 16 We'll see you in two weeks. trying to grow our audience so please check us out at 16to1.com all spelled out and tell your friends about the show on our website you can find links to follow us on social media an archive of all our old episodes and a contact form where you can get in touch thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next show you're nasty